What's up, everybody? Welcome to the first episode of Signed Off the Couch, a podcast featuring all of my hot takes about sports. I'm Brian Reed. I used to be a part of the Sauced and Tossed podcast, and here I am again, getting back on the scene to discuss sports. Each episode, I'll be talking about what's going on in the sports world. Anything timely is on the table. Just like you, I like to hang out on my couch and watch sports. With that comes a ton of questionable takes that I feel like need to be heard. I got all this sports to watch and all these things to say, and there's nobody there to listen to me. So here I am talking to you guys. I bat about 325 with my takes. You know, I'm not even at 50%, but I'm but I'm hitting 325. So I'm not the best in the world. But if I keep it up and keep doing it for 10 to 15 years, I'm definitely going to be a Hall of Famer. So here we go. The basic concept of the show is I'm going to talk into a mic, uh, hopefully for no longer than 20 to 30 minutes. I'm going to go over all the hottest and most interesting stories in sports. I'm going to try to do it within a two to three day span. You know, I might do a couple episodes a week. I might do one episode a week. Uh, Either way, it's going to be as timely as possible. Um, As it grows again, I'm going to try to bring in other guests, uh, friends of mine, friends of the pod, friends of Sauce and Toss, anybody who's interested in having a conversation about what's going on in sports. I'm interested in having on the show. So if you do have a hot take or you do have something interesting to say, please do not hesitate to find me on Twitter. Uh, it's at signed off the couch. Shoot me a message. Do whatever you need to do. I'm interested in, in, in chatting with anybody who wants to chat. So if you want to get on the show, find us on Twitter at signed off the couch. And with that, let's get this show on the road. Let's kick things off. Welcome back, everyone. This is the August 20th, 2020 show, otherwise known as day 3059 of the COVID-19 pandemic. Hence why I'm starting a podcast. I'm tired of just talking to myself. So here we go. Let's get right into it. Uh, First thing I want to talk about is the NBA playoffs. Right now, the NBA is in a bubble in Orlando. If you don't know, you might live under a rock. You probably wouldn't be listening to this show if you didn't know that. So anyway, they're in a bubble in Orlando. They're all hanging out in Disney. They're all playing basketball and, and just broing out college dorm style. So what's going on, the, the kind of the most pressing thing that's happening is, is both number one seeds, the Milwaukee Bucks in the East and the uh, Los Angeles Lakers in the West, lost to game one. So today, again, August 20th, they're about to play game two. So there's a lot of panic going on. There's a lot of people that are worried that the number one seeds are in trouble. So let's let's bring some truth to this. Yes, both teams have played very poorly in the in the bubble. I think they both had three and five records going into the playoffs. They both lost their first first playoff game. But the similarities kind of stop right there. I mean, they they both do have, you know, MVP finalists on their roster obviously LeBron James in LA and even Antonio Davis in LA and then you got the uh, the Bucks with Giannis and Antetokounmpo you know both teams are, are star-studded and they're number one seeds for a reason but I mean reality of it is, is the Bucks are probably going to be fine because they have the Orlando Magic on the other side of things and the Orlando Magic are, are missing arguably two of their three best players in Aaron Gordon and uh, Jonathan Isaac. So that kind of game one victory may have been a fluke for Orlando. I mean, they played hard. I don't want to take anything away from them. 
Um, the Bucks kind of shot the ball bad, and 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 Giannis's running mates were were you know pretty terrible. So that's also not good. And and if they don't really kind of get off the schneid and, and figure it out, then then maybe they're going to be in trouble. But I don't want you to worry about the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks are going to be fine. They're going to be there in the second round. They're going to play the Heat. They're going to play the Pacers. Whoever wins that series, probably the Heat. And it's going to be super entertaining to watch. Um, now, when it comes to the Los Angeles Lakers, they may have something to worry about. They're playing the Portland Trailblazers. Now, the Trailblazers were uh, Western Conference finalists last year, and they have basically the exact same roster they have uh, in the in the final last year. So why is it that they're number eight seed? Well, it's because they had a bunch of guys that were hurt uh, in the beginning of the year. So this pandemic came in. It wiped a bunch of games off the table. But it also allowed a lot of guys that were hurt time to heal. So you have uh, their big man, Nurkic, who is back and playing very well. You know, he's a walking double-double. Uh, he, he causes a lot of chaos down low, and he shoots the ball pretty well. So, you know, he's made a massive difference on that team. He's given Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum a third a third wheel, you know, to, to, to play. And, you know, the thing about Portland is, is they've been playing playoff basketball the entire time they've been in the bubble. They had a very, very slim margin of error, you know, because of the way that everything was set up. They were not a playoff team going into the bubble, but they had a chance. They knew if they won enough games, they could get into the play-in game, uh, which they ended up doing. They played the Memphis Grizzlies in the play-in game. They ended up actually being the eighth seed and not the ninth seed, and they won the the play-in game. So that's why they got the right to play the Lakers. So, again... There's a lot to be said about a team that has been playing playoff basketball for two weeks already. The Lakers took it very easy, you know, in, in the bubble. They didn't really play as hard as they probably could have. They didn't play a lot of guys, uh, you know, starter minutes. They're also missing a couple starters from their regular season lineup. So they're a different team, too, than they were three, four months ago. So their number one seedness seedness that's new but their number one seedness is arguably questionable just because they're missing a couple key guys like an Avery Bradley you know somebody who can guard point guards and 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 he would have played a major role in guarding Damian Lillard or even CJ McCollum so this team the Lakers is a different team than they were when they essentially locked down the first seed uh, months and months ago the Portland Trailblazers are also a completely different team than they were a couple months ago when they were the 9-10-11 seed. So that in itself is a reason to kind of pay attention to this series because in the NBA, a lot of the time, the one seed trounces the eight seed. It's usually a sweep or five games at the most, a little gentleman's sweep. But now, this series, who knows what could happen? It's been pretty wild so far. If Portland gets up on them and wins game two which is a lot to be said against a team led by LeBron James, they could be in some serious trouble, the Lakers. That would be crazy if Portland were to win that game because a lot of pundits were predicting the Los Angeles Lakers to win the NBA championship, completely disregarding the fact that they played poorly in the bubble and the fact that they, again, are missing some key players and that they aren't the same team as they were Three or four months ago. It's not It's not like the NBA just stopped and then started again and everything's all the same. It's completely different. You know, who knows what's going to happen in the bubble? You don't have home court advantage. You know, away teams don't get don't get kind of left behind. It's 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 completely different. So 
you have to take that into account, and not a lot of people did. So a lot of people predicted the Lakers or the Clippers or whoever are going to win the NBA title. Well, it's only been one game. They're probably going to be fine. They still have LeBron James. They still have Anthony Davis. I think I called him Antonio Davis earlier, which is funny, former Raptor. But they still have Anthony Davis. They still have LeBron James. Arguably two of the three best players in the series. Uh, Dame, Dame Lillard's been on fire. He's the bubble MVP. So, again, something to watch, something to look out for. The Lakers will probably be fine. But if the Portland Trailblazers win this game, uh, this series in six, seven games, I would not be surprised in the slightest. And it would be great for the NBA. I mean, they don't want the LA Lakers to be out in the first round. But it would be cool for all NBA fans outside of Lakers fans. That's for sure. All right, speaking of NBA pundits and pre-bubble predictions and post-bubble predictions and playoff predictions and all this stuff, I really, really, really want to call out anyone who chose the Brooklyn Nets as a bold prediction to either go six or seven games against the number two seed Toronto Raptors. I mean, this, I guess, in theory, was an easy, bold prediction to make. And I, I read a ton of articles from, from a bunch of different publications all doing their bold predictions and and at least two or three writers in these publications chose the Brooklyn Nets to not upset the Raptors. Nobody really said that they would upset the Raptors, but they did say that they would go six or maybe seven games with the Raptors. And and they based most of that on how well, quote unquote, the Brooklyn Nets were playing throughout the bubble. Again, the bubble is a weird atmosphere. It's completely different than the NBA. But let's be honest about some of the games that were being played. Not a lot of teams had a lot to play for. So that means that maybe they weren't starting all their starters all the time. Maybe their starters played the first quarter. Maybe their starters played the second quarter. And then the bench came in in the second or the, the second half. So, again, that didn't happen in every single Brooklyn Nets game. But they went 5-3 and three or something in the bubble. And they played pretty well. But realistically speaking, their roster was down probably their six or seven or eight or nine or ten best players. They're an injury kind of squad or even like a, a replacement level squad. You know, like they, they're basically Shane Falco's replacements from the movie The Replacements, the Washington Generals or whatever they were called. They are here because they were already in the playoffs, but a lot of their guys opted out of the of the the return to basketball or a lot of their guys like KD and uh, Kyrie Irving were were hurt so they weren't going to play and they weren't going to rush it back for this kind of thing so again they replaced them with a bunch of guys they even hired they, they signed Jamal Crawford 40 year old you know elite scorer that he is off the street or, or hell off the couch if you want to go with the pod theme they brought him in and they brought a bunch of these guys in and they played relatively well but again the competition was not that elite it was not that good now they come up against the defending NBA champion Toronto Raptors, who also, let it be known, had the second best record in the bubble. They were 7-1. and one. So if you're going to talk about how well Brooklyn was playing in the bubble and, and have that as a reason why they would potentially upset the Toronto Raptors, how do you not talk about how well the Toronto Raptors played in the bubble? The Raptors were 7-1. and one. They had the second-best record in the bubble outside of Phoenix. Phoenix went 8-0. They didn't even make the playoffs. Phoenix, again, played a lot of teams that, that, that sat a lot of their guys and played a lot of teams that didn't need to play. But the Raptors had 
the second or first hardest schedule in the bubble, and they still won seven of their eight games. Guys, the Raptors, the defending NBA champions, they were more than just Kawhi Leonard. They have tons of talent. They have shooting. They play defense better than anybody. They have the coach of the year, hopefully, but again, that's in the hands of the American media. So who knows if Nick Nurse is going to actually get the credit he's due. But he is the coach of the year. And he was last year too, probably. But he got no respect because, again, Kawhi Leonard was apparently the only reason why the Toronto Raptors won an NBA title. Now, granted, I was very disappointed when Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard left. Again, if you look at how he's playing right now, if he was on the Toronto Raptors, they'd be the runaway favorite for this. They probably wouldn't have lost a bubble game. They'd probably sweep everybody. It'd be like the, the, the Golden State Warriors during their heyday, you know, or the, the Chicago Bulls during their heyday. Whatever. That's beside the point. That's sad. I'm sad. I don't like talking about it. But if he was on the squad, they'd be the favorites. Now that he's not on the squad, they should still be one of the favorites. They've played better than almost anybody that's left in the playoffs. You know, they're going up against a team that, again, riddled with injuries, has what? Would any of the Brooklyn the Brooklyn Nets players start on the Toronto Raptors? Karis LeVert? Maybe. But that's arguable. Like, who would he replace? Fred Van Vliet? Doubt it, you know? Would he even take Norm Powell's six-man spot? I don't even know if that's the case. Karis LeVert is good. He's played well. He's turned in. He, he's, he's gone from, in the series, he's gone from being, you know, uh, an uh, a very good scorer to being a distributor because he's taking what the Raptors have given him. And I, I, I give him a lot of credit because he's kept a lot of the games or he kept game two close and he helped bring Brooklyn back in game one. But realistically speaking, they just don't have the talent level that the Raptors do. And it's insane that the prediction was that they'd be able to keep up with the defending NBA champions. That level of disrespect is insane to me. And I guarantee you, Kyle Lowry and the Toronto Raptors and Nick Nurse and all the assistant coaches and even Masai and Bobby Webster, all those guys, will not let anybody on that roster forget for a second that this was the case, that these people were predicting this. Because guess what? The Toronto Raptors are here to stay. They're going to play well. It's going to be them versus the Celtics in round two. They've you know, maybe they don't even lose a game now that Joe Harris is gone for the Brooklyn Nets. They, they might just sweep the Nets, which I think would be the first sweep in, in franchise history, which is crazy to think. But anyway, they're still here. They're going strong. They're going to face the Celtics. And here it is. Huge hot take. The winner of the Toronto Raptors versus the Boston Celtics second round series, probably going to win the NBA championship. You heard it here. I don't know if I'm the first one to say it. But it feels like right now I'm the first one to say it. And I think my 325 batting average is going to shoot up a little bit in a couple weeks and or a month. I don't know how long the playoffs last. All right, staying on basketball, there's one more thing I want to talk about in relation to the NBA. And that is the body cam footage that was finally released by Masai Ujiri and his legal team uh, in relation to the incident that happened after Game 6 in uh, Oakland, last year uh, in the NBA championship. Obviously, if you haven't seen the footage, go watch it because that shit is nuts. The the so-called police officer, Alan Strickland, had claimed and even sued Masai and uh, the Toronto Raptors and uh, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, sued them, sued them, 
stating that Masai Ujiri caused all this damage, like physical damage to this guy, physical and mental damage to this guy. And then the Almeida County Sheriff's Department or whoever these frauds are, they, they had all this body cam footage and they knew this guy was wrong. They knew this guy was lying. They'd seen the footage. It's their friggin' footage. It was there. But they supported him no matter what, which, again, is bullshit. It's like, like these cops think that they need to protect each other or they, they work to protect each other even in even amongst them when they have this idiot, this this guy who's already been charged with insurance fraud before in the past, who's clearly trying to commit fraud again. You have the footage and then you don't release it. You say that you don't have it. You say that it doesn't exist. You say that you can't release it because it would hurt your guy's case. Well, guess what? Yeah, it will hurt your guy's case. And you know why it'll hurt your guy's case? Because your guy is in the wrong. Masai Ujiri did nothing wrong. Masai Ujiri defended himself after he got berated and shoved twice. He then pushed back. At that moment, he pushed back. Everybody that was around him supported him. All the, the Golden State Warriors fans, the personnel, anybody that was down there, anyone that witnessed it, everybody was on his side. You know, He is one of the most respected people in the NBA. He's, he's the, the, he created the Giants of Africa. He's done so much for the league and so much for the league globally. And he's done so much for the communities around him. Toronto, any community he's been in, Denver, all these communities. He is well-respected. There is no reason not to believe him. And these people, Alan Strickland and the Almeida County Sheriff's Department, I don't even, they don't even deserve to be named. They try to destroy this guy's integrity. What the – like what is that? That is such bullshit. And I'm so sick of that crap. And guess what? Masai Ujiri, vindication, buddy. I love it. And you know what? Don't let these idiots get away with anything. If you need to take them for you know, a bunch of money for defamation or whatever you're doing in your countersuit, do it. Take that money. I know you don't need it, but I know for damn sure you will use that money for good. If you're taking money from them, you will for sure put it into something that's that that that's not your own pocket, you know? I know that because you have integrity. You're one of the best people in the NBA. Keep doing what you're doing. You did a hell of a job with the Toronto Raptors. You won us our first title. We're going to win a second title with you at the helm. Life is good. I hope Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, once this case is all settled, they back up the Brinks truck and give you whatever you want. I want a 5-year contract, a 10-year contract, whatever you want. I hope you get it. Because you deserve it. And you did not deserve the, the, the garbage that happened to you after we won the NBA title. They took that moment away from you. And I know the Toronto Raptors are working their friggin' asses off to give you another one of those moments. So you don't have to deal with that again. And you can actually enjoy it. All right, that's it for NBA talk. I got real heated there, so I'm a little sweaty. So I'm going to take a break. I'm going to drink some water, and I'm going to get back at it and hopefully do a little bit more quick-hitting stuff after the break. All right, cool. I'm refreshed. I feel good. I'm a little bit more relaxed. Here we go. Next thing I want to talk about, again, I'm going to be a little quicker here. But it's old boxers coming out of retirement. Or hell, old fighters coming out of retirement. All of it is insane. If you didn't hear Oscar De La Hoya, the golden boy 
himself, former, I don't even know, division champion. He won a bunch of belts. He was a big name in boxing in, in the, the 90s and the early 2000s. He hasn't fought since 2008 when his corner stopped the fight because prime Manny Pacquiao was beating his ass so badly that they were worried for his life. That is why he lost his last fight, which was, in fact, in 2008. Let me do the math there. One, two, you know, care, uh, whatever. 12 years, it's 2020. It was 12 years ago that he last fought. Today or yesterday, whenever it was, he announced that he wants to fight one of the top guys. He doesn't want to come back and fight in some kind of promotional or for charity event like Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. are doing because that would be the sensible thing to do. Wear a bucket, punch each other in the face for charity, give the money to someone who needs it, walk away happy that you got to fight again. Cool. That's not good enough for Oscar De La Hoya. Oscar De La Hoya wants to fight one of the top guys. He wants to fight somebody who's contending for championships. Somebody who is probably in their prime, in their mid to late 20s or early 30s, ready to go. He's a 47-year-old man that hasn't fought a professional fight since 2008. He thinks this is friggin' Rocky, you know, that Rocky Balboa movie. When Rocky Balboa comes back after the fifth movie in, what, 20 years? He came back after 20 years and fought a heavyweight champion and somehow won or whatever the hell happened in that movie. It was crazy. Guess what, Oscar Del Hoyo? This is real life. Time wins every fight. Old fighters suck at the end of their careers. The only guys that know or the only guy that knew how to walk away from boxing has been Floyd Money Mayweather. Coincidentally, a guy that beat the hell out of Oscar De La Hoya in his third last fight. So guess what? Floyd, he's staying on the sideline, but if he wants to come back and fight Oscar De La Hoya, but until that happens, it might be time for you to focus on your production company, your promotion company, Golden Boy Entertainment, because guess what? Your best fighter, Canelo Alvarez, hasn't fought anybody in almost a year And people need to see him fight. He needs to fight. He's getting forced to fight because he won't accept a fight. I love the guy. I love watching him. Uh, The only thing I'd love more than Canelo Alvarez is watching him beat the literal hell out of Oscar De La Hoya. But I don't want to see that either because guess what? He would probably die and I'm not interested in seeing people die. That's my take. I think old guys should stay retired unless they're going to fight other old guys in charity matches and and give money to people who need it. You know, it's it's, maybe that's not a hot take. But it needs to be said because Oscar De La Hoya, you are nuts. Speaking of golden boys and great transitions, I want to get into talk about Canadian soccer golden boy Alfonso Davies. Alfonso Davies is arguably, probably not arguably, he's, I'm going to say it now, he's only 19 years old. He's been in the Bundesliga in uh, Germany for one year. Um, he played in the MLS for two or three years before that. He is the greatest Canadian soccer player to ever play the game. I'm saying it right now. Probably not a hot take because it's it's simple. It, it just is what it is. I don't even care. He could play 10 more years. He could play 15 more years. He could play one more year, and he would still be the greatest Canadian soccer player of all time. So he is Canadian soccer's golden boy. 
Last week, he got the chance to play his soccer hero in, in Leo Messi. Uh, they, the Bayern Munich trounced Barcelona 8-2. to two. They just destroyed them. Alfonso Davies has, uh, had one of the all-time great Champions League runs where he, he made it through probably six, maybe seven Barcelona players by himself to set up a great goal. Uh, it was, one of, again, like I said, one of the great runs in Champions League history. The entire world loved it. It was so good. It was so great. I watched it. It was so much fun. I love cheering for the guy. I love rooting for him. I really think I'm, I'm thinking about getting a Bayern Munich 19 jersey. Alfonso Davies is my guy. He's so friggin' good. So what happened was he played his hero, Messi. After the game, he went up to him. He wanted to do a jersey swap. He wanted his hero's jersey. And Messi said no, because he was too upset to even consider it. And I get it. I mean, it's it's a bummer for Alfonso Davies that his hero wouldn't swap jerseys with him. But I completely understand where Leo Messi's coming from. He just got destroyed 8-2 to two in a Champions League game. His team, Barcelona, they're used to winning. They've won a handful of Champions Leagues. They won a ton of La Liga, La Liga titles in, in Spain. And this year, they just didn't really win anything. They were only okay... They lost to Real Madrid. Real Madrid won the uh, the La Liga title for the first time in a while. And Barcelona's kind of bummed out about it. And also Messi's kind of bummed out about everything that's going on with Barcelona. He thinks the team's too old. He doesn't like the direction they're going. didn't like the coach, all this stuff. The coach has since been fired. So that is good for him. Uh, it's a shame that he didn't have the courage to face his opponents and <laughs> and give Alfonso Davies uh, a jersey or a signed jersey or whatever because... Fonzie loves the guy, so that's a bummer. Um, but really, it's hard to fault the guy because it really, really, truly was one of the most devastating defeats of his career. Of course, he really wasn't interested in entertaining a fan or an opponent in that moment of time. Hopefully, Leo Messi hears this, or obviously he's not going to hear this. Why would he be listening to my podcast? But hopefully he, get, he hears the story and somebody gets a hold of him and he gets Fonzie in Jersey because that truly is his hero. And it would be a bummer if he always held this victory against Alfonso Davies. Speaking of the Champions League uh, and the Champions League final, it's coming up on Sunday, August 23rd. We have Paris Saint-Germain versus Bayern Munich. It's going to be a barn burner. I guarantee it's probably going to be a very high-scoring game. Granted, it's soccer, so we're looking at like a 4-3 or like a 5-3 kind of game. But that's a hell of an entertaining game. You have some of the greatest soccer players in the world playing in that game. Paris Saint-Germain, you have Neymar, you have Bappe, um, Bayern side, you have Alfonso Davies, you have Lewandowski, you have Mueller, you have all these guys, all this talent. It really is going to be a crazy game, and neither of these teams really like to play all that much defense. They're all about scoring, so it should be a heck of a game. Uh, I'm telling you now, I was never really into European soccer uh, or European football or whatever you want to call it until last year when I watched the Champions League um, and the Champions League final. And now I'm super into it because it's amazing. It's an incredible game. It's so fun to watch. It's so fun to root for. It's so fun to get into. Um, these games are really like balls to the walls. They're going to be going. They're going to be scoring. They're going to be going crazy. If it's a one nothing game or a 2 nothing game, don't at me. I don't want to hear that because, again, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a 5-2, 5-3 type game. But watch the game. It's going to be 
super hella fun, very similar to like a World Cup style game, lots of talent, get in there, enjoy it, and then let me know how much you love Champions League soccer, and we can rap about it. Cool? Cool. Okay, now it's time for our first ever segment. It's called the buzzer beater. It's the final parting shot. It's the shot I'm going to throw up right at the end to try to hit it and win it and walk away. So here we go. My first ever buzzer beater on the Signed Off the Couch podcast is that the unwritten rules in baseball are super dumb. They always have been. They always will be. They do not belong in the game. They should be destroyed. We should not be talking about them anymore. We need to move on from them. The game will be better. The players will be better. The whole experience will just be so much better for fans if baseball players are allowed to have fun and don't have to worry about getting beamed in the side of the head for hitting a home run on a 3-0 count when their team is up 10 runs. That's just it. That is what it is. It just happened. I'm so sick of it. I don't like reading stories about it anymore. Uh, I don't like watching sports segments about it anymore. I don't even care about the debate anymore. I just think it should be over. I think that anybody who stands against me or anybody who disagrees with this, looking at you, Rangers manager Chris Woodward, you should get the Pete Rose treatment. You should be banned from the game for life. If you don't want the game to be fun, you shouldn't be in the game. You know, that might be a little too much, a little too far. How about we settle with a a hard-hit ground ball to the shin? Nobody likes that. Chris Woodward, get out there. Go play a little middle infield. I know you used to for the Toronto Blue Jays. You were not good at it. Maybe you're a little jealous that Fernando Tatis Jr. can crush home runs like it's nothing. I don't know. Maybe that plays into it, too. Who cares? Who knows? All I know is the unwritten rules of baseball suck, and they should not be in the game. They should be gone. And that, ladies and gentlemen is the buzzer beater. Come at me. Try to block it. Boom. That's all I got for today. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, I know that this is weird. It's just me. I'm not a famous guy. I'm just a dude. I appreciate it. Anybody who listened, uh, I'm always interested in feedback. Again, if you want to have a conversation with me about sports, you want to get on the pod, shoot me a a Twitter message or whatever. Find me on uh, Instagram, whatever it is. Um, It's at signed off the couch. Look me up. Let's get into it. Let's have a conversation. Uh, And this has been Brian Reed, and I'm signing off from the couch. Nailed it.